0: So, I feel compelled to tell you this morning how deeply saddened I am by the news that we received on Friday that we had begun a new bombing campaign in Syria. It's not to say that I don't understand the desire to launch these new airstrikes. Like anyone, I am outraged by the news of the use of chemical weapons by Bashar al-Assad and the Syrian army on their own people. The use of those weapons is a crime against humanity, the highest order. But with that said, I don't don't see how dropping more bombs on Syria will bring about any true change. To me, our airstrikes seem like doing something to do something at the potential cost of innocent lives. These strikes demand no sort of real engagement to being part of a a long-term outcome. They cannot and do not foster the opportunity for the cessation of violence. It's worth recognizing and and remembering that we have already been bombing Syria for years. We've mostly been attacking ISIS, though— We did attack government targets last year. It's worth remembering and recognizing that we also have already 2,000 troops in Syria, primarily working as advisors for opposition forces. And there are other options that we could explore. We could accept more refugees. We've accepted only 11 this year. We could increase the level of our humanitarian aid. We could better support Syria's neighbors like Turkey and Jordan and Iraq and, and their care for the massive number of victims of this war. We could try to put pressure on the Syrian government so that, that aid could reach the war-ravaged population, or, or we could try to, to broker a ceasefire with the hopes of creating the possibility of peace talks. Now, perhaps I am being a hopeless optimist. I'm, I'm willing to admit that. And maybe these things will have no effect or too little effect. But at least they would commit us to working towards an end of the war. And I have to tell you, more than just being saddened about these airstrikes, I, I'm saddened because we are trapped or seem trapped by violence. I have three sons. My sons are 18 and 14 and 11. We have been at war in this country since before my 18-year-old's second birthday, before he turned two. He has no memories of a time when we were not at war. My 14- and 11-year-olds, We're not alive in a time when this country has not been at war. And now there is new conflict and new destruction. As a nation, we we seem trapped, trapped in cycles of violence, violence abroad, and violence at home. When I turn to the the scriptures this morning, I'm struck by the disciples' fear in the response to the offering of peace. We are told that Jesus steps into the disciples' midst and says, Peace be with you. And in response, the disciples are startled and terrified. And they're startled and terrified because they know how the world works. They know that dead is dead. They know that Jesus' story is now over. They might remember Jesus fondly and tell stories about him, or they might resent Jesus for his failure, for what he was not able to accomplish, and for the dreams that—their dreams that were not realized. But they know that he is no more— And so, when Jesus comes into their midst, in their fear, they can only see him as a haunting from the past. They are unable, at first, to see him as the fulfillment of a promise from the future, from God's future, and therefore from their future. They are afraid that Jesus is a ghost, that he is dead, that he has come to haunt them. Now, the actions that Jesus then takes are intended to assure the disciples that he is not dead, but rather that he lives, right? So Jesus invites them to see his wounds on his hands and his feet. He, He invites them to touch him, to see that he is flesh and bone, real and embodied And Jesus then asks them for something to eat and accepts and eats a piece of fish. But this is a radical interruption. Jesus steps into their midst, disarming them, appearing seemingly out of nowhere. And yet Jesus is present, really present. Jesus is present not as an ideal or a system, not as a philosophy or an ethic, but as a person. His presence is not abstract. It is not completely subjective. He is not present as a shorthand for being nice or loving, but rather he is there, present. Jesus is there for them, there and present for the disciples. And we are told that their fear is transformed to joy. And yet, even their Even in their joy, they are disbelieving and still wondering. And while Jesus is present to us in a different way now, we we still believe that He is still present. Jesus makes Himself available to us as we listen to and reflect on Scripture. He, He becomes present to us in the sacraments and as we come to feast at His table. He's present in the life of the church and our community. Present in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit, present in the least of these the marginalized, the persecuted, the vulnerable, the refugee, the war victim. Jesus is present still. And when Jesus becomes present, Jesus brings and declares peace. For just as Jesus says, peace be with you to the disciples, to those first disciples. So too, Jesus speaks a word of peace to us. And let's be honest, we can miss those words of peace in this encounter. We We can skip right over those words in that gospel reading. We can move on too quickly to that bit about the fish, which I admit is kind of funny, or we can move to that interesting thing about the interpretation of Scripture or, or the being sent as witnesses. But the foundation of the disciples' encounter with Jesus is the pronouncement of peace. Jesus is present. He invites his disciples then and now into his peace. Peace. This is a peace which proclaims forgiveness and reconciliation. This peace, it recasts the world and it proclaims that that God's life and love are triumphant, triumphant over the powers of estrangement and alienation and enmity. This is a peace, a peace that conquers violence, a peace that conquers death. And moreover, it is a peace that sends the disciples out into the world to bear witness. It is a peace that sends out the disciples to proclaim repentance, right? Which means a change of mind and life. It is a peace that sends out the disciples to proclaim the forgiveness of sins, which is a way of saying that our past need not dominate our future and it does not define who we are. The ironic thing about this peace is that it inevitably brings the disciples into conflict. Not everyone will greet this word of peace with open arms because it entails the the suspension of a a pursuit of control through power and violence. It summons, this peace summons us into a space of spiritual poverty where we will inevitably be vulnerable and exposed. But in doing so, this peace invites us into a space of recognizing the connection and interdependence of each and every human being. This peace reminds us that Christ is present, and that when Christ is present, God's future of a fully reconciled humanity, one with another and all with God, is breaking into the very, this very moment, breathing life into our time. And so what does it mean for us to be witnesses to peace in light of Syria? What does it mean for us to be witnesses to peace in a world gripped by racism and poverty and environmental degradation and war, violence? How are we to live into Christ's summons, so that we might bear witness to Christ's cause of peace? I don't have all the answers to that, to those questions. But I believe that we begin by opening ourselves to the presence of Christ. Peace and freedom emerge from our openness to Christ being present to us, present to us one to another, present to us in those who are marginalized, present to us in our enemies. Seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself, says the baptismal covenant. This freedom empowers us to ask how we might constructively work for the well-being of our neighbor. It enables us to see that God is for us all, that Christ is for us all. Creating peace, giving peace, so that we might share peace with one another. Jesus invites us to transcend our fear and to embrace God's hope. Jesus appears in our midst to send us out to be witnesses. Witnesses to His peace. So let us begin there and see how God's peace might live in us. Amen.